realize that Jonah, when God called him to leave his home in Israel and go to the pagan Assyrian city of Nineveh to preach against it. Last time we focused on God's lesson for Jonah in the storm, and today we're going to focus on the people who were with Jonah in the boat in the storm. If you have a Bible and want to follow along, I'm going to read from Jonah chapter 1, breaking in at verse 4. The Lord hurled a great wind on the sea, and there was a great storm on the sea, so that the ship was about to break up. Then the sailors became afraid, and every man cried to his God, and they threw the cargo, which was in the ship, into the sea to lighten it for them. But Jonah had gone below into the hold of the ship and laid down and fallen sound asleep. So the captain approached him and said, How is it that you're sleeping? Get up, call on your God. Perhaps your God will be concerned for us so that we will not perish. Each man said to his mate, Come, let's cast lots so we may learn whose account this calamity has struck us. So they cast lots and the lot fell on Jonah. Then they said to him, Tell us now, on whose account has this calamity struck us? What's your occupation? Where do you come from? What is your country? From what people are you? He said to them, I am a Hebrew, and I fear the Lord God of heaven who made the sea and the dry land. Then the men became extremely frightened and said to him, How could you do this? For the men knew he was fleeing from the presence of the Lord because he had told them. So they said to him, What should we do to you that the sea may be calm for us? For the sea was becoming increasingly stormy. And he said to them, Pick me up and throw me into the sea, and the sea will become calm for you. For I know that on account of me, this great storm has come upon you. Last time we learned that the storms in our life that God sends give us the good news and bad news about what it means to live in God's world. The bad news is that when we sin and go against the Creator, there's always going to be a storm attached to it. We can't run from God. He's not mocked either. Whatever we sow, the Scripture says we're going to reap. The good news is that God sends the storm to get us back on track and right with Him. Today we're going to zoom in in this passage and look at what I call a subplot within the plot. We're going to look at the relationship between Jonah and the sailors. And by extension, the relationship between a believer and the unbelievers in our life when we are in the same boat. Try to see yourself today in Jonah's story. Who are the unbelievers and strangers in your life? in your boat, in your sphere of influence. So first, let's look at Jonah's relationship to the sailors. Then we'll look at the sailors' interaction with Jonah. can learn quite a bit, I think. When Jonah and the sailors are thrown together in the same boat, going the same direction, Jonah's interaction with the sailors is brief, if at all. Jonah buys his ticket, heads off, to uh, be by himself on the boat. He goes down in the hold of the ship and falls asleep. Jonah doesn't interact with the sailors until he's forced to. Sadly, 
I'm afraid we tend not to interact with our neighbors until we have to. We know that Jonah was dead set against going to Nineveh and interacting with the community of pagans, and I'm sure he felt the same about these uh, pagan sailors he's in the boat with. Jonah's whole motivation in fleeing was because he didn't want them, the Assyrians, sworn ruthless enemies of Israel to have any chance of receiving God's grace. They deserved God's judgment. The Jewish prophet Jonah thought he was part of the superior race, God's chosen people. And I'm afraid Jonah's self-absorbed, self-righteous attitude was keeping him from wanting any contact with the pagan unbelievers in his life. So, God sends a storm. (laughs) I think one reason to remind Jonah, hey, uh, Jonah, you're there for them. You're not there for yourself. However, as we read, Jonah's pretty content to keep his faith to himself. He doesn't want anything to do with these pagan unbelievers. You know, for us, the ship serves as a kind of metaphor for the arenas in our lives with people who do not believe in Jesus. What do you think about the people in your boat who are different from you? Do you believe God could possibly use you to have an impact on them? It may be that it is another purpose God sends a storm to bring a believer and an unbeliever together. At this point, Jonah's very content to remain quiet. We don't hear a peep out of him. He's quiet about his faith in Yahweh. He's keeping it to himself, not sharing it. Now let's look at how the captain and sailors feel about that. In the sailors' interaction with Jonah. In the sailors' interaction with Jonah, we'll be looking at really an unbeliever's relationship to a believer, Jonah. What do they think about our faith and our actions toward them? It doesn't take the captain and sailors long to figure out there was something supernatural about this violent storm. The ship itself was breaking apart. These seasoned sailors were terrified. See, they threw precious cargo over the ship into the water to lighten it. And then they each began crying out to their gods, the pagan gods. All the while, though, uh, Jonah isn't praying at all or crying out. He's down below in the hold of the ship, clueless about the problem, uninterested in the sailors, and sound asleep. The captain is uh, upset that Jonah, a religious man, A prophet of this Yahweh, and he basically rebukes him for not helping them in their time of need. Jonah 1 6. So the captain approached him and said, How is it that you're sleeping? Get up, 
Call on your God. Perhaps your God will be concerned about us so that we will not perish. The captain's incredulous that Jonah's not using his faith for the public good. Incredulous. He's not using his faith for the public good. In their time of need, he's not even praying. It's... Jonah is still silent, unhelpful, until the sailors begin to probe, investigate, get on Google, figure out what's going on here. Who is this guy? And they figure out he's responsible for this storm by casting lots. I'm sure God has something to do with that. And when the lot fell on Jonah, the sailors began with an urgent appeal to Jonah. I want you to listen. Three simple words. Tell us now. Tell us now. Tell us. Who are you? What's your occupation? Here's his test. We want to know your testimony. Who are you? What is your occupation? Where do you come from? Who are your people? Don't miss the irony here. God sent Jonah to Nineveh to give them an urgent appeal. But now, you know what? It's the sailors who are doing for Jonah what he should have done for the Ninevites. They urgently appeal to Jonah. Tell us now. Finally, Jonah begins to repent. He confesses his faith in Yahweh. Jonah 1.9, Jonah said to them, I'm a Hebrew. I fear the God of heaven who made the sea and dry land. And by the way, when he says, I fear, it can be translated, I believe in Yahweh. He's my God. After listening to Jonah, the sailors' fear was amped up. They were afraid. Now they're terrified. And they continue to ask him, how, how could you do this? Your sin ha- has put us all in danger. So what should we do? There you go. What should we do to you, that the sea may become calm for us. And Jonah answers, verse 12, pick me up, throw me into the sea. Well, let's consider a couple of lessons from Jonah's interaction with these unbelievers. One message of the book of Jonah is that God loves Jews and Gentiles, believers and pagans of the worst sort. The book begins with God sending the reluctant witness, Jonah, to go warn the pagan Gentiles of Nineveh about God's imminent judgment in the hope they would repent and be able to receive God's grace. Jonah refuses and runs from that responsibility given to him. He believes they deserve judgment. Jonah could care less 
about them. And basically, stays to himself. I got my religion, you got yours. Let's see where it all ends up. But the storm changes things. (laughs) And God uses Gentile sailors, pagan sailors, to confront Jonah and his sin. And think about the danger he's put them all in. Jonah does realize he's put all these pagan people in harm's way, comes to the place where he's willing to save them by giving himself up to God. In a sense, that's what we have to do. In a nutshell, that's how a person goes from being a reluctant witness for the Lord, quiet, doesn't want anything to do, to a willing witness for the Lord. First, like Jonah, we need to see unbelievers as lost souls depending on us to tell them. Tell them what they need to know about God and what they need to do to avoid his wrath. This is what Jonah's doing. But they have to pull it out of him. They appeal to Jonah in verse 8. Tell us now. Tell us. Tell us. Tell us. Listen to their cry for the witness of the gospel. Tell us who you are. Share your testimony. (laughs) Tell us what we need to do to be saved. Those are the elements of sharing our faith in Jesus with someone. We begin by identifying with Jesus, Yahweh, our Savior. Just like Jonah. Then we tell him about Jesus who gave himself up, dying for our sins in order to save us. And third, like Jonah, we willingly give ourselves up to God so they can be saved. There's a lot packed into that little statement. For Jonah, it meant giving, being willing to die by being thrown into the sea. Everybody expected him to drown when they did that. It's a penalty for his sin, death penalty. Jonah expected it. We'll talk more about that later. But for us, you know what it means? It means being willing to die to ourselves. Are we so much interested in how, what our image is that we're not telling them? We're so much more interested in our comfort zone that we don't want to take a risk of being rejected. We have to, honestly, it it does involve dying to a little piece of ourselves, our pride, our ego, our perhaps superior self-righteous attitudes and give ourselves up to God for them. You know... You know, I'm preaching to myself, folks. 
It's always easier, okay, to stay in the background. That's my default. Stay in the background. Avoid interaction. Strangers are not like us. I don't want to be rejected. I don't want them to think this or that. Sometimes, though, God's going to send a storm into our life or theirs. Oh, theirs. Just so we could be with the people God wants us to share with. You have people like that? I do. I'm talking to people right now in my my boat, so to speak, who are going through some tremendous, I'm talking about unbelievers going through some tremendous storms. And I want to tell them. Let me tell you about Jesus. And then, here's what you need to do. The truth is, God calls... uh, we may not be in a storm, but there's still we're in arenas filled with unbelievers all around. And God calls everyone who has believed in Jesus to be his witnesses, to share what he's done for them. Tell us now. Tell us now. We're in trouble. Well, Jonah and Jesus share this in common. While dying on the cross for our sins, some who were there really derided Jesus as being weak when they said, ha, they mocked him. They said, he saved others. He cannot save himself. Exactly. (laughs) When they asked Jonah what they must do to be saved, Jonah realized, ooh, you know, to save these guys, I can't save Myself. Either we're all going to perish or I am. It's just so interesting to me. He chooses to give himself up for them. Wow, what a transformation. His whole demeanor attitude changed towards pagan, idolatrous unbelievers. He was willing to save them. By giving himself. Jesus died on the cross to take God's judgment for our sins. And if you're in a storm right now and do not know Jesus as your Savior, I urge you to believe in him to receive the forgiveness of your sins and the gift of eternal life. Jesus was thrown overboard into God's wrath for you. So you wouldn't have to perish. Message is simple. Like Jonah and Jesus, Jesus calls us to die to ourselves, to our pride, our selfishness, our self-righteousness and racism or whatever other sin is there, focusing in ourselves and willingly give ourselves up to God to save others. I believe this was the Apostle Paul's sentiment that we read in 1 Corinthians 9, 22 and 23 where Paul said to the weak, I became weak, that I might win the weak. I become all things to all men so that I might by all means 
save some. I do all things for the sake of the gospel, so that I may become a fellow heir, fellow partaker of it. Leave us with that thought and consider carefully as you go out this week. Look at the people in your boat. What's God doing? He's always doing something, if you haven't noticed yet. Always doing something. And we know what he wants from us, his his followers, his believers. We know that. So could he be? Could he want us to be somehow interacting with the people in our boat? That's the question I challenge you with this week. Take a look at who are these strangers in your boat and consider what God might want from you in your relationship there. Let's pray. Father, we thank you today for Jesus. He shed his blood for us, saved us from your wrath for our sins. I pray that you would open the hearts of the people around us to hear the gospel message and that you'd open our hearts with a willingness to share with them our testimony, the gospel. Give us a willingness to do that. Give us an awareness to do that with the people you've placed all around us. Help us to see others uh, not with disinterest, but with your compassion and be able to share our faith in Jesus without fear or concern for ourselves. I pray this now in Jesus' name. Amen.